there have been people that have been so good that they do their thing. And I've said, there's nothing really I can tell you or nothing I would change. Thank you. Leave the room before we fuck it up. And they have been hired. That is Los Angeles-based director Jordan Brady. And I'm Lee Foster. You're listening to Action, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. This podcast is brought to you by The 5-Minute Journal. To find out more or to purchase one, go to lee-foster.com journal. Enjoy this episode. So, we got to get one thing out of the way right away. What's bow that? chicka bow wow. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, thank you for Googling is my first response. I did my homework. Yeah. The, so uh, when I was a, a, a nightclub comedian, that was a popular bit that I did. You know, you, you'd hope to have your getter done, your your signature bit that people would remember you for. And that was mine. And And it was only years later after I'd stopped doing stand up comedy and touring around in nightclubs that somehow that became a popular thing that people say. So you you coined the phrase bow chicka bow. But the coin correct, but the coin is missing. You know, I coin is kind of a, a bittersweet word, isn't it? Because while uh people like you can see it and there's clips online from the late eighties and nineties, uh the the coin does not go into my pocket every time someone says that because that's probably your follow up question. <laughs> yeah, do you get residuals? Not at all. You know, as a as a young as a young comedian, you don't really understand that you could copyright or trademark a phrase, or at least I didn't back then. It was the wild wild west. It was an experimental time. Just happy to be a performer. Do you still do stand up comedy? Very rarely, a handful of times a year. I did about uh, two months ago in L.A. when someone invited me to a show to go up, and and I really enjoy it. Uh, there's nothing like it, but uh, no, it's not my steady gig. And you um, you made two documentaries, is that correct? The first one is I Am Comic. Am I right about that? I Am Comic, available on iTunes. Or I'm sure you can pick up a DVD on Amazon for a dollar ninety-eight. I am comic. Uh, it's just so funny because right before we got on the air here, I saw that Sarah Silverman is nominated today for a SAG Award as a leading actress, and she's in the movie Louis C.K., which he was in. It, this movie came out right before his show aired mm-hmm. on FX. Uh, Tim Allen. Just there, I think I think we crammed in 86 comedians into 86 minutes, which means some people are in for eight seconds and some people are in for five minutes. And, so, and then the follow-up uh, is I Am Road Comic, which is available at IamRoadComic.com for a $5 download. It's on Hulu right now for free if you have Hulu. You likely how I get in the plug. I, I, I just naturally and effortlessly – give you that information that was smooth yeah it was pretty smooth uh and, and that one features tj miller who you love on silicon valley mark Marin from the wtf podcast oh, and yeah. Pete Holmes. just it, it's like a newer generation of comics then than the i am comic right 
Well, I have, uh, I'm, I cannot wait to watch, uh, those. I just discovered them and, uh, I started watching the intro just, uh, about 10 minutes ago and I cannot wait. It looks hilarious and very interesting. So I can't wait to watch those. So you have your own podcast, which let me tell you how I, you probably have no idea. Oh no, maybe you do. I have no idea. Well, I know you're in Minneapolis, right? You're from Minneapolis. You have connections to Minneapolis. That's correct. I moved to Chicago from Minneapolis about three years ago, and I know Tony Franklin. I did a um, did a passion project with Tony Franklin, and I and then I was like, dude, we got to get you on this podcast. And he was like, oh, I just did a podcast. Listen to it. So he clued me into your podcast, and then I started listening to your podcast. It's incredibly beneficial for actors. You interview casting directors. I'm just listening to the. Uh, I haven't listened to all of them, but I, I think I will. Um, I was just listening to the, the one where you interview, I don't know his name, but it was like four episodes ago. It's the editor, the improviser slash editor. Oh, uh, Rob Watsky. Yeah. And that's like, it's just super beneficial. I urge my audience to listen to your podcast. It's called Respect the Process, right? Respect the Process. Yeah. Uh, it's on iTunes. It's at respecttheprocesspodcast.com. You can go to jordanbrady.com, and the latest episode is right there. So first of all, thank you for the kind words, and thanks for having me on your, your show. Well, and I love you. doing a podcast. Yeah, I love doing the podcast for the same reasons that I'm sure you do, is that you get to talk to people, and when you interview people, you learn so much because you're listening. It's like, well, you're in the room, you know? Yeah. In Rob, so Rob Watsky is an editor, but for the last 25 years, he's taught improv. So shortly after interviewing him and he's edited some commercials I, you know i make commercials as a for a living mm-hmm. and i direct them so he has edited some of the commercials that i've shot so i had him on the podcast and then that weekend my son and i who uh, my son's an improviser so we went to rob's improv group and he had th- these tremendously talented improv actors doing the scenes making it up off of, you know, just a suggest, just a word. And Helen Hunt, that Helen Hunt, right? Mm-hmm. She sat in and improvised with them. Like she was a guest player. And then after that, we got to sit down with Helen and Rob and uh, the other cast members and, and talk to them about their process and how it, how improv informed acting and how acting informed improv. And, you know, it's basically... It comes down to being in the moment. You, know, right. you, you can't you can't go on stage with something. Uh, I, I call it one in the chamber. You know, like if you have a joke in the chamber ready to fire, by the time you you think of it, and then it's your turn to walk on stage, something else has transpired. Right. And then for me, I was curious: how does that translate into acting with a writer's script? Right. So, like you know, you're doing a show. You can't just go out there and make up stuff, but you can still be so in the moment that you know your lines, but little nuances in your performance are informed by reacting from the other person. I mean, a large percentage of acting is reacting to what's happening. That's why when you act with someone that's really good, they bring up your game like a tennis match. Right. So if, if you're in the moment versus going out there with something you know, premeditated, you're still saying the same words, but 
there's something more organic and real to the performance. That's my opinion, anyway. So when you're when you're casting a, a commercial and you're looking for people who are good at improvising, and you can tell that somebody has loaded these buttons in the chamber, that's a bad thing. Well, the analogy is bad because no one says buttons in the chamber. Now, your listeners right now are so confused. Like, what the fuck does he mean the guy has loaded buttons in the chamber? That, I mean, that this is ridiculous. Zippers, maybe. Uh, bullets would have been a good one. Bullets. But buttons, buttons is the, is the correct term. I just mixed two things up. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to go with you. Yes, and buttons in the chamber. A button ear. I got a button ear of bits. So what, I'm sorry. The question is, I'm casting a commercial, yeah, and I'm look and I see that someone's got one ready to go. Yes. How does that affect my selection of said actor? Yeah, is that a is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Even if it's a killer by button, I'm going to explain this because maybe my audience doesn't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, button, I mean like a, a a funny one sentence or one word line at the end of the commercial. So if you see somebody that has has them premeditated, do you is that a strike against them? Even if it's a killer button? Boy, I gotta tell you, that is an awesome question. Thanks. Because <laughs> you you go in you when you're in the callbacks, okay, this is just commercials because I don't I don't do episodic television and so I haven't cast for that. And I don't even know who goes to the to the callbacks, like the producers, the director, the writers, whoever. But in a commercial, it's the director and the ad agency. Like in Chicago, I want to say it's O'Connell Casting. Is that right? O'Connor. O'Connor, yeah. O'Connor Casting. Great people. Bringing, always bring in a wonderful selection. And they also always tap into, you know, Second City and the uh, Improv Olympic you know, because I'm doing comedy, so they're tapping into that talent base. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so I think the important thing for actors is to remember that the copywriter, much like the playwright, is in the room, typically. Yes. So while I, the director, may love that you've got a few buttons in the chamber, the copywriter, you got to, you, you know, are you offending her ego? Are you, mm-hmm. you know, are you putting them off a little bit where they're like, hey, what was wrong with the script as it was written? Now, right. I, I think that is seldom the case. I think usually if you have a funny line and you can do it in the audition, by all means, let it fly so that people see you're inventive and that you get it. But if it, it sometimes when people improvise off of the script, it doesn't serve the ad. It serves – it's a joke on the joke in the script. You know the the agency they their whole job is to write and the art with the art director create this world create this scene and it's only thirty seconds so every word is chosen carefully so it's seldom that we will choose the actor or actress off of the funny ad lib you have to be able to deliver the script because the agency is legally contracted as is the director to deliver the script that was sold by an account guy to the client. And the client has a boss that approved this budget of a couple hundred thousand dollars to deliver the script. Now you, they always, you know, edit an alternate version, 
great example. I did a McDonald's commercial and we had a guy, we casted O'Connor in Chicago, cast a young man from Second City. And this kid had ad lib after ad lib. If you can ad lib, it, it only helps unless you're mm-hmm. stuck. And then it's like, well, just stick to the script. But I guess my meandering point would be, Lee, you have to be able to do the script in the audition or you're not going to get the job. Uh-huh. Like if you cannot ad lib, but you're killer at the script, you have a better chance than the guy who can't do the script, but can come up with seven different one liners at the end of the spot. Right. And, and, you know, to that point, you know, I, I was doing a little homework before we got on. There are some common myths and I, this is just one man's opinion. But when you come into the room for the audition and everyone's in the room, I personally don't recommend people being really funny right off the bat when they come in the room. Let your personality shine. Don't squelch your personality. But if you're really funny and you try to be witty and we've been there for six hours, we've seen, you know, 70 people and little kids. Like if the little kid goes, you know, I'm Jason and I'm 12 years old. Don't say I'm Jordan and I'm not 12 years old. Because we've right. heard that joke seven times in the last hour. Yeah. And then you've tainted what you're about to do on screen. So a lot of times just come into the room professionally. Hey, everybody, yeah, good to see you or whatever you do. You slate and then do the scene. And the scene, the work blows us away. Then you're going to get another take. The director is always going to go. She's going to say, hey, could you do it again? And, you know, play around with it. Then you throw out your funny ad lib. You know, if I see someone doing the ad lib first, that's cool. And then I'll always go, wow, that was so funny. Can we do it again? And I, I need to see you do the actual script. Wow. And I may, awesome. you know, I may have this, I may have the same ad lib written down. Like seldom do I direct it exactly as written. And I love that the actors as artists are improving the spot. But at the end of the day, the actor and the director are working for this ad agency and the agency is working for this, you know, Nabisco or Nestle or Ford or whoever it is. That's why my podcast is called respect the process because you have to know your role and your function and, and the, you're serving the greater good. Mm-hmm. This is super interesting because it brings me back to, I think it was the very first episode of my podcast where I was talking to this brilliant acting teacher and author. His name's Ron Morosco. And he was talking about television, but it's in this case it works. He said that a lot of acting teachers, and I heard this when I was in acting school, he said a lot of acting teachers will tell you to remove all the punctuation when you get a script. And he said that is such bullshit. And he said when you go into an audition, the writer's in the room, and as a point of pride, you do it exactly the way it's written. It makes perfect sense. The the person who wrote the script is sitting there. Don't fuck with his shit. Oh, and, well, yeah, right. Don't fuck with his shit, which was going to be the name of my podcast. (laughs) But I I I was on the fence about it. Yeah. You know, not only is the writer in the room, but even if they're not, again, they've toiled over the punctuation. They've toiled, like, in their head, they've, they've directed and acted and edited the spot analogous to taking away the punctuation. I actually do take away the the camera direction. Like if it says 
in a commercial script, like, you know, cut to a medium shot of the mom pulling out the cookies. I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I'll decide like the shot. And, but I get why they put it there. It may be for the, for the presentation to their client to read, you know, so the client gets in their mind like, oh, uh, yeah, right. Okay. A close up of our cookies. It's a cookie commercial. But, um, yeah, I've never, I've never heard that one take away all the punctuation. You mean to just say everything like a run on sentence, like it never ends and there's no breath? It, the punctuation will mess with your creativity and something, blah, blah, blah. It's just a mm. nonsense thing that you hear a lot. Yeah. It doesn't sound right, but maybe it's good for the exercise of, of whatnot, you know, of acting. Maybe. Maybe. I was going to say the other myth is, uh, and this is just me personally, and I, oh, but before I forget, Danielle Eskenazi, A N A Z I, Eskenazi, like Eskenazi, like Askenazi, but don't. It's, uh, <laughs> she's a casting director in LA, and I've worked with her for years. And she and I talked on Respect the Process. You know, I can email you a link if you want to put it up, and, and but it's on iTunes, my talk with a casting director, or whatever the episode's called. And it's so informative, and she and I go back and forth, and we disagree on different different things. Right. Um, she also has an app. Yeah, I, I listened to this. I listened to that episode. Yeah. And the app is is like a you know it's like a motivational thing, it's like all right. positivity and everything. But uh, one of the ones that I disagree with that I think she likes is wear the same thing to the callback that got you the uh, the callback. Mm-hmm. So. If you wore your blue jersey for the audition and you got called back, wear the blue jersey to the callback. And I think people say it because it helps the people remember you. Like, oh, here's the guy in the blue jersey we loved. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sure there's some truth to that. But for me, it's like I don't – nobody ca- – I don't care. Who cares? It's about right. the performance. I mean, I say the same thing about the – it's, you know, it's uh, it's always the chef outfit. I, I'm even distracted going, God bless these actors that have the fucking chef coat and hat in their car for the audition. Or they're like they parked, they opened up their trunk, they put on the chef hat, they walked in the thing. Guess what? If you get the job, we're going to have a stylist get the chef hat for you. We're going to have the coat. We don't need this. Now, granted, don't come in in a Hawaiian shirt, but just wear something you're comfortable in and you're, it's neutral. You know, <laughs> If it's a businessman, yeah, sure, a, a tie is nice or a jacket, but it's these weird specialty costumes. It just it doesn't matter. I once went to a commercial audition, and it was to be a construction worker. And a guy, another actor, came in the room with – one of those like eight foot tall fence post diggers. <laughs> it's probably way like... hilarious. Look, if if that's what it takes to get you, actor, to your place, right? Uh-huh. If putting on the costume, you know, we've all heard how the costume brings, you know, that's your skin. So if if it helps you, great. Wearing the chef thing helps you give a better performance. By all means, wear, wear the chef hat. Put on scuba gear if that's the spot. But I'm saying for the audition, it doesn't matter. And I personally don't remember that you wore the same thing. 
it's right. just a myth. Just you know, I'm just one guy. I, you know, what do I know? I also think that when it comes to things like that, like oh, you have to do this, you have to wear the the same thing you wore in the initial audition to the callback. It's I think actors take um, it's comforting in a way to to think that you can break it down mm. into these yes no uh, absolutely practices. It's the wow, same that's thing a great observation. Like, Right. It's the same thing where, I don't know if you, you if you know about this, but there, you'll hear a lot of people who are in the first year of acting talk about which way the staples are supposed to go on the headshot resume. And I, it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, those things <clears throat> don't matter. Don't put your concentration into those. Go take a class. Go read a book. Don't put your, don't think about the, there's not a golden key. You just need to be good. That's my thought. I agree. That's a great point. I mean, yes, it gives you some of these rules will give you structure and guidance. And, you know, if you're new and you don't have any parameters, then what are you doing? So it may give you they're almost like distractions and busy work just to get you in the game. Right. So um, let's take it back to uh, talking about callbacks and uh I, I want to ask you, do you always direct the talent that you think could be a possibility? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? I think that I don't, I, I don't think I've ever booked anything where the director has not stepped in and said, okay, that was good. Yeah. Let's, uh, why don't you try it this way? I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> I've never booked anything without that happening. You know, always and never are such absolutes. It's hard to commit to an answer that way. Sure. But I, I will say this, sir. There have been people that have been so good that they do their thing, and I have said, there's nothing really I can tell you or nothing I would change. Thank you. Leave the room before we fuck it up. And they have been hired. Right. And, you know, I did a movie that that happened to. Uh, Michelle Forbes, who's an actress who uh, some people know her from the Star Wars, Next Generation. She played um, the mother in this uh, indie film I did years ago. And I remember she did the thing, and I said, thank you very much. And I just wanted her to leave, and the producers were in the room. And they said, why didn't you ever do it again? I go, because she she nailed it. That's who we should hire. And we hired her, and she thought, she's like, you know, it made my day because I thought I was terrible. I, I thought I did a good job, but you just said thank you. And I told her, I said, I didn't want you to wait around and have somebody come up with a reason for you to do it again. And something, be, you know, it, it was perfect. I mean, the whole key for directors is to hire the right actors and then don't get in the way. I mean, I, I know in my earlier, the early days of my career, I would probably, I'd probably talk too much to the actors. But if you cast the right person, they'll do their thing and it'll be great. And you kind of, as I tell directors and ad agencies, I remind them at the callback, because I, I work with directors at my company. So before they go into callbacks, I'll remind them, you you get what you're buying in the room. Like, don't hire an actress who in the callback you loved. And then on set, someone goes, well, let's get a range. You know, that's the big thing I hate is like, oh, I love the range, great range. You know, I prefer subtle range. Like, I prefer slight variations on the same character. Like, once you're in the pocket and you've you're the person for the for the Dodge commercial, right? Mm. 
mm-hmm. and you have a certain look. In a commercial, it could just be a look or a reaction. There's not much more that that role is meant to do. If it's a sly look or a big surprise look, well, those are two different things. Like the script should dictate that it's a sly look. So let's just do the sly look. And that's what she did in the audition. And that's what she did at the callbacks. She's perfect for it. Cast that, shoot it, move on. So the answer, the answer is yes. I would say 94% of the time, the person that got hired received some direction from me to say, let's do it again. And this time put this spin on it. And I'll be, I'll be totally frank with you. A lot of times there's an idea that I have that either I want to see if it works or not. Like, cause you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this, this subtle twist on the script doesn't work, but I want to see the, the actors with game, give it a shot. So if I can have you, if I go, Lee, come on, just this time, you know, do it like you're resentful. And you put just a little something in it that way. And it turns the phrase, same script, just you're, you're playing it with a subtext of resentment. And, you know, this is a, a hypothetical example, right? And you do it that way and it works. And then the agency's like, oh, that was, you know, that really works. Then you've helped me sell this idea that I want to execute. And you're the perfect person for the part. And together we've succeeded. And there's a spike in sales over at Kellogg's. You can find Jordan's podcast, Respect the Process, on iTunes or at jordanbrady.com. To sign up for his commercial directing boot camps, go to www.commercialdirectingbootcamp.com. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.